At the trade deadline, the LA Clippers made a big deal trading Luke Kennard, fan favorite, Nuke Kennard, to the Memphis Grizzlies in a three-team deal that brought Eric Gordon here to Los Angeles in his second stint as a Clipper. And I haven't really visited this conversation, but was the Luke Kennard trade a mistake? Going to be giving both cases and then the verdict on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri. Finished my 18th season as a Clipper fan, born and raised in Los Angeles. You can also follow my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper, LA sports, and NBA and NBA history content. And of course, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to tell me in the pinned comment whether or not you think the Luke Kennard trade was a mistake now looking back. Because I haven't had this conversation yet with you, so we're going to have it in this episode. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. If you ever need the best deals on last-minute events, Game Time is the place to go. But let's talk about... This trade, I'm going to be giving why the rationale behind the trade from the Clippers perspective and why you can argue it was a good trade. And then I'm going to be giving the side of, I didn't like this trade, it wasn't a good one. And then in the final segment, I'm going to say what I think. So, let's get right into it. The trade as listed, or as it took place, was the Grizzlies got Nuketown, the Clippers got Eric Gordon from Houston, and three second-round picks from Memphis. I don't exactly know when those fall in, but the Rockets got John Wall from us, Danny Green from the Grizzlies, I didn't even know that, and then a pick swap that I just that I mentioned in the last episode, so... That they had the Milwaukee Bucks pick, so now we have the Milwaukee Bucks pick, and they have our pick. Houston does, so that's what the seventeenth pick in the draft, or something like that, like the fourteenth or fifteenth, like somewhere in that range. And I know, no, the Clippers were the fifth seed, so that would probably be like the seventeenth or eighteenth pick. But I'll take the seventeenth or eighteenth pick over thirty. So let's talk about why you can argue that it was a good trade. I think it was a good trade because Eric Gordon offered more defensive physicality and size to the Clippers. So Ty Lue, we've talked about it so many times this season that he loves his guard-heavy lineups. That's, you know, he's a guard-heavy coach, an offense-heavy coach, and he liked having floor spacing out there. But oftentimes, when we had Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, and Reggie out there together, or Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, and yeah, I guess, is that the only three? Oh, and John Wall out there together? We were just too small. 
Eric Gordon, even though he's not taller than Luke Kennard, he is stronger. And we started to see him guard guys that, if I'm being real, Luke Kennard just never had a chance in guarding. And Eric Gordon absolutely did add some defensive physicality and size to the team. Obviously, I've mentioned that game so many times, but that one before we got Russ, you know, before, yeah, right before we got Russ, he was guarding Devin Booker, and he was doing a good job of it. And that was because he had the strength to not just get bullied, whereas Luke Kennard, I'm not saying he's weak or anything like that, but he absolutely gets bullied. And <laughs> Eric Gordon, not only that, he can offer his three-point shooting, not as good of a three-point shooter as Nuke, but he is better going to the rim. That is undeniable because he's so much stronger and... That is absolutely something we saw pay dividends for the Clippers in terms of attacking closeouts. Not to say Nuke didn't attack closeouts, but oftentimes he would just take that sidestep for a three. So when the trade happened, though, here's the rub, right? The rub is that Eric Gordon is 34 years old going on 35. Luke Kennard is, let me double check the age. I believe he's 26 Yep, he's 26. So 26 versus a 34-year-old who will be 35 on Christmas. That's right, Eric Gordon has a Christmas birthday. I remember that from his first stint with the Clips. And look, I was ecstatic when we got Eric Gordon to have him back. He's one of my favorite Clippers as a kid. I enjoyed seeing him in a Clipper uniform again, enjoyed going to the games and seeing him again. But it was a win-now move, right? If you wanted to go all in this season and say, we need the best supporting cast that we can get for Kawhi and Paul this season, then I get it. Eric Gordon had more physicality, more size. You know, he can play in two or three guard lineups and it's no big deal. He and Russ, you know, would be out there together and guarding really good players and holding their own. Now, granted, I'm not trying to make Eric Gordon sound like he was this lockdown defender. He got blown by a lot and there were some games where he wouldn't even stand up straight. (laughs) Just be going through the motions. But there were games where he played better defense than Luke Kennard could ever play. And he could get to the rim, which Luke Kennard could not do. So the rationale for why Luke was traded was Clippers wanted more physicality, wanted more size, wanted bigger guards. And they thought Eric Gordon, given his experience, could be better this season. And you know you can make an argument. The stats favor Eric Gordon when you look at it for the Clippers, right? So here were their numbers. EJ in 22 games for us in the regular season, he started 11, averaged 11 points. Luke Kennard, 35 games played, so 13 more than EJ, but he started the same amount. So Eric Gordon, he started starting a lot when Paul George was out, basically. Luke Kennard, he was starting because there were a ton of people out certain games, and yeah, he would get in there sometimes. But for the most part, he came off the bench. 21 minutes played for Luke Kennard on average, Versus 25 for EJ. Nuke averaged 8 points. EJ averaged 11. And the rebounds and the assists are very, very similar. So there's no point of even saying them. Neither of them averaged more than 2. Or 2.5 rebounds or assists. In terms of efficiency. Nuke shot 46% from the field. 
45 from three and 95 from the line. 45 from three is ridiculous. Again, leading the league in three-point percentage. Eric Gordon, though, not that bad. His field goal percentage was only 0.1 worse than Nuke. So 46.3% for EJ and 42% from three and 84 from the line ain't that bad. And given the other things I said, you can make a case from those numbers that Eric Gordon was better than Luke Kennard in the regular season. But the thing we have to talk about with Nuke is that his confidence was kind of taken away because he just didn't know what kind of minutes he was getting on a night-to-night basis. And that absolutely falls on Ty Lue to a degree. And also the fact that we were log-jammed at the guard position when fully healthy when John Wall was on the team. Because Reggie Jackson was a starting point guard, right? And he's pretty available. That leaves Norman Powell and Luke Kennard as two really good bench guards. But they're both two guards. They're not point guards. So John Wall out there or having another guard out there when it's not Terrence Mann. And we know Ty doesn't like playing Terrence at the point. When you had those three in at the same time, which oftentimes we did off the bench, it made Nuke look worse. Because teams, especially when you don't have a secondary big man, and when Nuke was on the team, we didn't have a secondary big man except for Moses Brown. Teams are going to switch a lot, and Nuke Kennard is not a one-on-one player. But let me tell you this about Nuke Kennard. When he's playing consistently, like we saw in 2022, he's a sniper, and he's always pretty solid. For example, for the Clippers in 2022, 12 points a game on 45-45-90 splits. And he did that in 27 minutes a game. So he was pretty involved. Played 70 games. That was a much better season than the one he had for us this year. And then for Memphis, by the way, he got five more minutes. I'm sorry, four more minutes on average than with the Clippers. He shot 53% from the field and 54 from three, 95 from the line. That is insane. 11.3 points per game. Obviously, playing with Ja Morant, you're going to get a lot of open shots, especially when they have Luke Kennard in the strong side corner when Ja drives. But my God, that those are insane splits. So it tells you what Luke Kennard is capable of when he's playing consistently. But if we're talking win now, that was the move for the Clippers to make the team better this season. It was. And Luke Kennard's contract isn't the best. He's owed another $16 million next year. So they wanted to move that because Eric Gordon's an expiring deal. So that's another rationale. But coming up, I'm going to give the argument of why it wasn't a good trade and why we should have kept him. But before I do that, I got to tell you about game time. You know, if you need last minute tickets, there is no better place to get them for your favorite event than game time. Because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater near you. Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. With that, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the event itself. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for free, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so 
Let's talk about why the Clippers should have kept Nuke. So one reason why it was so hard to see him go was because he is legitimately one of the best three-point shooters I've seen in my time as a Clipper fan. He probably is the best. He might be the best pure shooter we've had in my time as a Clipper fan, if we're being real. I mean, JJ was pretty good. But Nuke, his range is ridiculous. And he also has a step back in his game off the bounce that JJ just didn't really have. JJ had like a little sidestep to his right, kind of, when people closed out on him. But Nuke has that step back going to his right. And, oh, man, his range is crazy. He's like a machine. I mean, 45% from three in consecutive seasons. And you heard that stat at the end there for Memphis. 54% in the regular season with Memphis from three in those 24 games. And look, in the playoffs, he wasn't bad either. Of course, he got injured in one game in that Lakers series, but he shot 52% from the field and 50 from three. And then for the Clippers in the 2021 run, 48% from the field and 41% from three. It felt like the conference finals was a level too high for him at the time because he was early in his career. But those numbers still look fantastic. I mean, he's just an extraordinary shooter of the ball, and he's only 26. So his best years are ahead of him, and everyone loved him here. You know, he was a guy that you couldn't find many people that just didn't like him. His three-point shooting was so valuable at times, not just because of the floor spacing and his off-ball movement, which I love, by the way. He's so good off the ball. Eric Gordon is far more stagnant. But Nuke, he was getting better. Actually, you know what? He was getting better defensively, and then this year he looked like he took a step back. Or maybe, again, kind of like how I said with Terrence Mann, maybe it's just because there was more pressure on the Clippers night to night. So I felt as though there were more mistakes, and last year we had less to lose, so I wasn't as critical. But it felt like he was more of a... I, in 2022, he legitimately wasn't a liability anymore to me. But he felt like a liability at times this season defensively. Like, And even with Memphis, when I watched him, he was getting blown by fairly easily and not holding much resistance one-on-one. And in 2022, he had moments where he showed that he could you know, hold his own on certain players and he wouldn't get bullied. And he was a solid team defender in terms of knowing where to be, knowing coverages and all that. The thing about him is, though, his shooting has been a part of so many big runs for the Clippers because, man, he's streaky. Like, he's a knockdown shooter, don't get me wrong, but when he's hot, he can get really hot. And we saw that, you know, in the comeback against the Wizards in 2022. We saw that in a comeback. I think it was against Detroit? Nah. There was a comeback late against Detroit, but I don't remember if he made big shots in that one. But he made big shots throughout his Clipper tenure. And with his best years ahead, I mean, there's just... You can't have enough of guys that can shoot the ball like that. I mean, 45% from three, and he's not terrible decision-making, you know, pick and roll occasionally. Dribble handoffs are pretty good with him. Like, he's a pretty high IQ basketball player to me. I don't have a problem with the things that he does. If anything, he's too passive sometimes. But Luke, it was really hard to see him go, like really hard. And then another reason why you can say it's questionable, besides the age and who Luke is, is that what about past this season? You know, is it all about, you know, we weren't looking like a great team in the regular season, going all in for a season that already looked a little bit like it wasn't going in the right direction and letting go of one of our good young players that's going to be a league leader in three-point percentage or top five for years to come. I mean, there's you need shooters around stars. As you saw with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James in the Lakers' first half of the season, they would attract their extra attention that they always attract, but they didn't have consistent knockdown guys. 
Imagine having a guy like Luke Kennard with Russ. I mean, it's just, you know, an opportunity missed there for sure. But moral of the story, another reason was the pick. We swapped for a worse pick. We could have had the 17th or 18th pick. And now we have the 30th. So those are a couple of reasons why we should have kept him. I think you might be able to figure out what route I'm going. But I'm coming up, going to be talking about if it was the right move in my opinion. All right, time to drum roll and decide if the trade was good or not. It was, spoiler alert, not very good. Look, I love Eric Gordon. <laughs> He's a beast. But in the playoffs, he was a little bit underwhelming. In the regular season, thought he was awesome. But if we were going to make that trade to go all in, of course, not having Paul George and not having Kawhi ruins any chance of Eric Gordon's production being that relevant. But I'm not going to lie, it was still a little disappointed in a series without Kawhi and Paul George for him to only average 10 points and shoot 34.5% from three and 41 from the field. That just wasn't very good. That just wasn't very good, and his defense was decent. It wasn't crazy. Eric just looked old. He looked old, and we went all in, again, for a season that looked doomed. I mean, we didn't need—I I get it. We got rid of John Wall. Kennard's contract, yeah, it's not great. But, man, there's a lot of mediocre contracts or not-so-great contracts in today's NBA. Like, $16 million for Newt Kennard for another two years. Who cares? Like— He's he's a his best years are still ahead. That's really what it comes down to. Eric Gordon's best years are not ahead. And you know what? I let my nostalgia and my fandom kind of cloud me by saying that was a good trade because I do think it made the team better this season. I really do. I think Eric was a better fit for what we wanted to do. I don't think having Nuke would have made any difference in the playoffs if Kawhi and Paul are out. Let me just stand on that. I do not believe that Nuke would have made any difference in the playoffs against Phoenix with Kawhi and Paul out. But it's not about just this season. And that's the problem. We were overconfident, acting like we really were a great team. We didn't play like one. We didn't have the health of one. We didn't have the continuity of one. So going all in and trading an absolute sniper fan favorite for Eric, I mean extremely questionable i get it you move off of john wall that was good and then we traded a pick okay we got three second rounders I'm not saying those are useless but it's all about first round picks in the nba and it's gonna be really hard i already don't like memphis because of the rivalry we have with them but in the early 2010s but seeing new canard on another team for his best years is really tough like i was all in on the new canard train I wanted to see him have his best years as a Clipper. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case anymore. 54% from three. I know that's a stretch, but are you kidding me? So yeah, in hindsight, it was not a good trade because we didn't win the championship. We lost in the first round, and now we don't have Newt Kennard, and we want to get rid of Eric. I would have loved to have Newt Kennard, but that's my opinion on it. Let me know what you think in the comment section. Because I wanted to revisit that because we haven't talked about that really after the season's over. I love Eric Gordon, by the way, and I still like him more than Luke because my memories with him before were fond. Extremely. I mean, he averaged like 22 points. He was my favorite player on the team in 2010. Then BG came around. By the way, I want to say something real quick. I know this is a little unrelated, but if Blake Griffin, if that was his last season in the NBA, it's going to be kind of sad. I don't think he has anything left in the tank. 
anything left to prove. But it's kind of sad. You know, BG came to the league in 2009, and he didn't even play the first year, so it would only be like he really had a 13-year career. Wilt Chamberlain had a 14-year career, and that was in the 60s. And he could have played way longer if he wanted to. Just cra- I know that's a stupid uh, comparison because Wilt's like a, a superhuman. But, you know, a 13-year career for an all-star, like a perennial all-star, which Blake was, is, is pretty rare. But injuries are just a, a B word, you know? It's going to be sad, man, but I'll tell you this right now. Blake Griffin, you can make probably the strongest argument that he's the best Clipper ever for what he's done for the franchise. And I hope that first year in Intuit Dome, I doubt Blake Griffin's going to be playing past next season. If this, if next season is, is he plays, I think it'll be his last. That first year we move into Intuit Dome, he better have his number retired. He might have to be the first. I think it'll be symbolic. And I will be there. Like that Mbappe meme, what is I will be there no matter what. I will be there no matter what. BG. I just want to say salute, man, if that's the end. Um, love that guy, man. Like I'm actually going to like get emotional talking about it. Like I love that guy. He gave me some of the best memories of not even – I don't even want to say as a basketball fan because it's underselling what that Clippers mean to me. Of my life. He gave me some of the best memories of my life. That's really powerful. And I got to meet him too and tell him that, which is also awesome. And then he got traded like two weeks later. <sighs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content. Um, Howard Beck coming on the show on for uh, the Thursday episode. So let's see what he's got in store. Always good to hear from Mr. Beck. You already know the deal. Subscribe to Locked On Clippers and hit the notification bell. And let me know in the comments whether you think the canard trade was a mistake or not. The age-old proverb continues... Go Clippers!